the Sunday Morning Linux Review with Mary Tomich, Tom Lawrence, and Tony Beavis as the Beaver. And this is episode 281, Fresh Looks. Streisand VPN Part 2. Yeah. Uh, and this is Tony Bemis. Mary Tomich. Phil Parada. And Tom Lawrence. And uh, we're sitting down talking about the VPNs uh, like we did, uh, what, it's been two months now? Yeah. Two three months. May 28th was the part one of this. Yeah. Yep. So May to June, June to July. Yeah. So it's been uh, actually two, two weeks. Months or today. Two months exactly today. That's right. Um, Huzzah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, basically what we're going to do is follow up on um, how it worked for, for me. And I don't know if you guys messed with it or not, uh, because I, I used it when I was traveling in China. And um, and then actually continue to use it for other reasons. And uh, I guess we'll go through and talk about that. Um, uh, so Phil or Tom, have you guys messed with it since our one episode? I it, failed. A resounding no. Okay. I, I did not because I didn't try. And that is the <laughs> end of part two. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I uh, set up my Linode with it. And I've, I've done some demonstrations with Linode and OpenVPN, and it works really well. I had some trouble with a lot of package failures and a lot of install failures uh, mm. getting the SSL to work with VPN, uh, OpenVPN. So my experience was less than extraordinary with it, uh, and it could be that I was using Debian and maybe you used CentOS, or what did you base it on? No, it was uh, it was Debian. Okay. But, um, I mean, I use their script that, that goes through and downloads and installs it. And, and to your point, I think I had to run it three or four times to get it to all install and work correctly. Okay, so I just didn't run it enough. I think I, after three, I said, you know, I have some work to get done. Yeah. Because it took a long time to run, and I thought, well, maybe I should run this in my own CPU environment where I have more horsepower. And then uh, a phone call came in, and someone had a, yeah. And, and then now we're here, here. Right. And the <laughs> issue with uh, with Amazon doing it three or four times, it actually spins up three and four different versions yes. of, or instances of it. And that's what Phil helped me track down where they all were and shut off because I, otherwise I'd be paying for them monthly for that. Uh, yeah. So I appreciate that, Phil. That's a whole other skill starting out. It's one of the reasons I like – I have an AWS account that I do some demos with, but I have a Linode account because Linode is so easy as an interface to see what's going on. Yeah. It's very, very clear and concise. Amazon yeah. is not. <laughs> it's – yeah, I, I think they're, it's because they were – what? They were the pretty much the first – to the the scene to make it worldwide and oh, yeah. geo uh, diverse and so they I think other people have looked at their ideas and then made things better on it. But. I know not everyone's a Microsoft fan, but I won't lie. Azure has a pretty clean interface. It's very much like a, a GUI for uh, deploying your virtual machines and things like that. Hmm. If you so much as hover your fingers over the keyboard while on the Amazon website, you'll get charged for it. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, they're good at the billing side of things. Yeah. <clears throat> Anyways, back to VPNs. Anyway, so I so there's a few caveats with what I did. Um, I was on campus the whole time. So I did notice that the way Internet on campus was slightly different than what most people were reporting across China. So I was on a university, and um, I could – get to most things without any issues. Well, uh, well, not most things. I could get out to the Internet 
the um, kind of issues? The well, like Google is blocked. You know, so all of Google. So, so do no you have maps, to go Baidu? no. Yeah, Baidu. Um, yeah. So what I uh, what I ended up doing, and so using Streisand, just as a recap for everybody, Streisand is a, uh, a basically a server sitting out in the internet that's uh, your private server, so nobody else uses it, and it uh, Streisand goes through and has the set of scripts that installs multiple. VPN technologies so that if one doesn't work, you can try the next and next. And and when I say multiple, there's OpenConnect, which is the open source version of the Cisco AnyConnect. There's OpenVPN, there's DREC, and there's S-Tunnel. There's uh, ShadowSockets, SSH, Tor, and WireGuard. And out of all of those, uh, I tried the Cisco AnyConnect, the OpenVPN, and... Uh, WireGuard, and the one or WireGuard worked consistently with the best speeds. Well, it worked just at all. I mean, when I was when I tried the other ones, it just wouldn't connect, and so that was part of the um, you know the great firewall blocking. And I have a feeling that it's because WireGuard is so new that China is just not filtering for that. I don't know yet. Part of it, too, is you have to get things wrapped into an SSL so it appears like any other traffic. Right. You, and does, did you do that with your WireGuard config? or No. Okay. No, it was just straight up WireGuard connecting over. I ran my VPN. Uh, my server was out of uh, Ireland. Okay. Uh, so I basically hopped across the continent and then would go out from there. Um, so WireGuard, it, it worked it just worked, you know. I mean, so every time, and I could tell it was my, um, you know, I was connected and WireGuard was working because everything came up as if I was in London or I was in uh, Ireland, you know. So I open up Google and it says, hey, do you want to find a restaurant near Dublin? want to Dublin? find a good pub? <laughs> or, yeah, or a pub. Yes, or please. <laughs> right. Actually, I do. <laughs> Were there any good beers in China? We didn't come uh, no. Okay. Isn't there the state, there was beer. Isn't I there the call state beer? Tsingtao okay. or something? So yeah, I did have some of that. Prime it's, for craft brewing there. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, if they allow it. They, I don't. I doubt they allow it, so that's probably why it hasn't there's happened. There's money in it. They will allow it. <laughs> <laughs> They're a communist capitalist government there. That's all i got to say. <laughs> right. Uh, anyway, so the downfall of WireGuard is that uh, it only worked on it only worked on your Linux computer. So it, I had my Linux laptop. It worked great. You know, I could connect out. I and I could do pretty much anything I wanted. Um, the the caveat is that because I was running on an Amazon free tier VPN or a server, is that if I used too much bandwidth, then I would start being charged. You know, would uh, fifteen gigs. But because it's VPN, we're going through you know in and out. Then so it's half up. of that. Yeah, your amount of data is doubled, so you actually can only use what you if, – like if you downloaded a 7-gig ISO, that's all your your bandwidth for the month uh, because, you know, in and out. Um, but I didn't do any of that, so it was okay. Um, uh, it worked pretty good. Uh, well, it's interesting. I could sit there. Uh, I was in class, and, you know, we were done with – I was done with lecturing, and we didn't have much to talk about for the next hour. 
So then we started talking about food. Because you didn't speak Chinese or what? (laughs) Well, it was, you know, part of what I was doing was a uh, a cultural experience, you know, is, you know, I'm trying to share my culture with them and they're sharing theirs with me. And uh, so they're they're asking about what Chinese food in America looks like (laughs) and what it would taste like. and and, deep fried. Right. I said, (laughs) I know it's not the same. Um, But then I brought up. I, I was able to go to Google, and it's like the first time they had ever seen Google. Oh. And whoa, whoa. yeah, because yeah. Google did, is completely banned. Did uh, any banned men in, in uniform come yeah. into the room? And uh, they did not. I was kind of like keep my eye out, but no. <laughs> um, and then so I was just going to Google Pictures and showing them. And I would go to like New Hong Kong near me. Near, you know, Taylor is the Chinese restaurant I like to go to. And uh, they're like, oh, that looks good. <laughs> and just like regular students, they're like, you, you know, everybody's yeah. getting hungry a couple hours before lunch just because we started talking about food, <laughs> you know. Um, so that was neat. What's yeah. the best thing that you got to eat followed by the worst thing? Um, best thing? Those fried dough things look pretty good. Yeah, those. Yeah, they, they have these little rice fried dough balls, and they put little faces on them. It's, yeah. it's kind of funny. Uh, in the center of it is, uh, I thought it was like a fruit filling. It's a mystery but, filling. But uh, I had a, a friend, <laughs> you know, so I posted all this stuff on Facebook. So after I'd done eating it, I look at my Facebook and then somebody says, oh, it's probably just made of this. You know? So they were thinking it was uh, some kind of sweet tea was the, the filling flavoring. Um, so it was really good. I have no clue what it was called. Um, the worst thing was stomach like or intestine or something oh yes yeah. i not your own correct no yeah not my own <laughs> <laughs> his oh. uh, it did i almost got sick uh, so there's this uh there's a, a traditional meal called hot pot and, i've heard of it yeah and hot pot so basically and who hasn't heard of it it's a table Not that people sit hot around. Pockets, right? right. <laughs> but it's it's a table everybody sits around and it has an electric burner in in the table built in. Uh-huh. And you get this gigantic pot that sits in there. And uh, it's filled people with throw with, various things in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> no, but it's it's filled with a uh, uh, liquid of a some broth. sort, like water, like yeah, broth, broth and mm-hmm. oil and and so there's a lot of seasonings in that. And then you can choose on how spicy you want it to be. And the longer it runs, the more this, the spices get cooked in and get hotter and hotter. So as the meal goes along, it gets spicier and spicier. Um, and what's neat is the, the pots. You can get one that's like half and half. And it looks like a yin and yang sign. Um, and so one half can be non-spicy. The other half can be spicy. Or we had the donut style where it was a little section in the middle that was... Um, that was the non-spicy, and then the rest of it all the way around was spicy. Uh, and basically, just like you said, Mary, you, everybody just, you throw in random, not random, you actually, you order and tell them what you want. <laughs> but you throw in the different foods, it cooks in that broth, and then you pick it out and you eat it. And that was the worst thing. No, no hot pot in general was good. I liked it. Okay, but there the was a specific, specific foods was duck stomach. They called it duck stomach, but I think it was intestine and cow stomach. And then they had no. Was pork it worse because throat. you know about it, or it didn't taste good? No, I told I I had to tell them. Don't <laughs> tell me what it is. I'll okay. try it, and then you tell me. And I got started chewing it. His stomach is just really chewy, it is. and I couldn't 
I couldn't handle it. I tried it. all these things. I almost it's... got sick. Um, you almost got sick just thinking like, about it? No, no. As, as I was chewing it, I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Just, I mean, so to yeah. realizing what you were consuming, not that it was bad. Not that the no, food. It, no, I, it's it was the flavor and the textures. Oh, I did it not was, like okay. it. No, I didn't know well, what it was. Too big, when yeah. I was chewing flavor on and it. texture. You don't have those on your side. I tried it and I choose not to eat it again. This is right. a completely different experience than I had eating uh, stomach and intestines and all of that. Um, when we were in Japan, we went to uh, a wagyu grill, so kind kind of similar to uh, the hot pot without the hot pot. I guess mm. you have the you have the grill in front of you, and they bring out all these different types of meat from this cow, mm-hmm. and then you get to grill it. Um, so I found that with the stomach and the intestines and the heart, if you let them get uh, crispy, like nice and caramelized, almost. Yes. Then yeah. they're really tasty. No one else could, could eat it, but I thought it was great. <laughs> I can see that. Um, yeah, the the caramelized or the carbonized kind of. Yeah. But this was all boiled, you know, so it doesn't get that crispiness to it. Yeah. You, I, I'm pretty sure you've got a more iron stomach for for that than oh. I did, or it, I would have. <laughs> I normally wouldn't. This was this was like the first time I ever did anything like this, and. Uh, I, I, I would probably go again, but so I you had would an active know gag what to reflex. <laughs> as far as the food. Uh, it was oh. it was active, but I I had uh, stronger will than the gag reflex did. I oh, guess. okay. Uh, right. Anyway, so that was interesting. Uh, but let's get back to the VPN. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so what I did is I or the the other reason I knew uh, whether the VPN was working or not mm-hmm. is. Uh, you, well, you the normal way to do it is you would have to go and see what your public IP is. You know, is it a IP that is registered to somewhere in China, or is it IP that's registered to your VPN server? And um, so the normal way to do it is go to a website that checks where you're coming from and then t- and reports that to you. I found a way to, and I wrote a script that I call it PIP, and uh, it's public IP. Uh, and basically, it does a DNS request against a um, a server. A, uh, there's you can either write it to go against uh, Open DNS or Google DNS servers, and then it just replies with the IP, so I know what my public IP is. I built that into a um, a BioBoo plugin, so that it always runs at the bottom what my public IP is. So if I'm working along and then all of a sudden that changes back to the Chinese IP, then I know I need to stop and do something about it. Ah. So that was kind of cool. Uh, yeah, very clever. Yeah. Um, so you can't even open Gmail, Google, or pretty much anything once you're, once you're on the Chinese IP. Exactly. Yeah. None of that works. You couldn't get to any of it. Now, this, the, what really saved me, and I feel like... It's kind of like anti-Linux uh, community-ish, but is you know, I mean, we're all like Google people. We all, actually, we all, all four of us have Gmail Google Fi phones. Yeah. Google Fi saved me the whole time. Really, if I didn't have my Google Fi phone, I would have been, like, depressed and... No, it would have <laughs> been It's like horrible. an addiction no, to I, me. <laughs> I am, no, and it's not because of the Google services, except for one service that they provide. Google, it's because you're able to get to, to connect? Because, well, uh, so Google Fi works in 170 countries across the world, and China is one of them it works in. It Please actually sponsor us. 
it connects to the whatever um, uh, cell phone provider they have there. I, I can't remember what it is now. But it then takes your all your traffic and tunnels it back to the U.S. So I could use everything on my phone as if I was here. Mm. All my Google f- email. Oh, and that's great. Not just Google stuff, everything. So I could get to so Pandora. I could I could bring up Pandora just as if I was at home or in the U.S. I could bring up um, my regular email, everything. I and so I skyped with my wife every night and every morning, actually twice a day, and so I went with my wife and my kids. <clears throat> so that really helped. That's uh, great. And yeah, so it, it actually made a big difference. Um, that's impressive. And then when I, so then what I did is I was able to tether my phone to my laptop, or is it the other way around? Anyway, so I, I did the hotspot on my phone and connected my laptop to it, and then it's as if I was sitting in Texas. It's one of the T-Mobile data centers, so there was sometimes it went through the Texas data center and the other times through Chicago, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was one of the things that my IP would pop up and show me. <clears throat> so that actually made a big difference. Uh, but playing off of that, so I still had Streisand and all the VPNs set up on my phone um, because when I was going out there, I didn't know this was gonna it was gonna be able to do this. But um, what's interesting is I went to do a speed test, and I'm sitting there on the Google Fi cell, on the cell network, not on a Wi-Fi. And when I went to speed test on net it actually showed a Chinese uh, speed test as the closest location. I did a speed test, and it came up to, like, a uh, 20-meg connection. It was, it was a fast uh, cellular connection. I turned on my uh, OpenVPN connection to Streisand, did it again, and it was, like, 18-meg. So it was pretty fast through OpenVPN. Uh, and then I was chatting with uh, one of our listeners, um, Ken. No, I can't Ken? remember your name right now. Totally forgot. Sorry, listener. I, well, I can't get to my – I have um, – he's a contact in my um, – Yeah, he's yelling his name stuff. right now. Right. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, um, so he, he suggested turn off uh, the GPS because – uh, usually speedtest.net does a test oh, against oh, the IP sure, address to sure. find out who's the closest. But on your phone, it actually uses GPS to find who's the oh, closest. So I turned off GPS, and then it brought up an Ireland uh, speed test. Okay. So I knew that the VPN was working. Uh, but what I thought was cool is with the GPS turned on, I worked out that m- I, the traffic doing the speed test actually circled the globe. Because I was sitting in China, it went across the Pacific to tunnel to Texas, and then it went through my VPN tunnel from Texas to Ireland, and then from Ireland to China. And so it literally <laughs> circled the globe. So I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, that is. Um, yeah, these, uh, it's interesting because the, um, the government VPNs, one of the requests we've gotten because we've done a lot of VPN videos on my YouTube channel is if we will host a VPN server here. Because what they've done in Russia is just block everything. 
they blocked AWS for a while. They block all the different VPN providers. They block Linode. They block, so they can't get into any of those to use them. So it's not the VPN they're blocking because their firewalls aren't very sophisticated. Mm -hmm. I've been told they just go, we're just going to block all the services. We can't get to things outside of Russia. <laughs> right. So what was neat about the VPN is um, the WireGuard that I was using. They're actually uh, looking at trying to build in WireGuard as a plugin to PFSense. Yes. So then you can run it as your PFSense as a, a, a WireGuard node. That, that's uh, interesting. I haven't played VPN much of WireGuard, server. but it does look pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it worked really. It worked really good for me. Um, like it was quick and. I think it runs uh, in simple. kernel mode, if I'm not mistaken, too. Right? Isn't that where WireGuard? Yes. Yeah, there's. That's how it works. Yeah. Um, there's no GUIs. There's. It's just. A, it's a start-stop script. Yeah. It. Uh, the WireGuard project came about because the creator of it needed to exfiltrate data um, but to not be detected he he made it a kernel module and then you have to send a knock packet um, to the server uh, for it to uh, eventually establish a connection you mean like port knocking or yep. some other kind of knocking a port knock yes okay yeah. which is probably why it's hard to detect because it's probably something not standardized in its setup like it's something that's on a per setup basis. You you have to have uh, the correct the correct secret knock too. Yeah, that makes it that makes it interesting to for detection reasons mm -hmm. and maybe why it worked because how do I identify that? Right. It's port knocking, so I can't scan for it and go where did you connect to? Because without the uh, knock sequence, I can go look at the connection you made and go what was he doing? I can't see anything here. Mm -hmm. versus OpenVPN. Oh, look, it responded with the standard OpenVPN response header waiting for packets. Yeah, all you see is is a tunnel going out, and you don't, you know, if it's not a registered tunnel, then you don't know or what that port no, that port it's right. plugged into or connected to. That's interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, so it actually worked really good. Tony, I have a question. So, uh, you know, as far as you being able to successfully um, go out of China, uh, or at least via VPN, um, is because of the tools that you have that someone who lives in China doesn't have access to. Right. Okay. And, I mean, they're using Streisand, and they, uh, the, uh, through the help of somebody else, they could probably set that up and then start using it. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if they'd be able to do the initial setup themselves. Um, okay. The sense I got, though, is they don't really care. Well, it's not that they don't care. It's actually really interesting. I've, I've read well, a lot about this, too. They don't know they should care. Yeah. See, they're not aware. Um, they said there's no one under 30 who knows what Tiananmen Square is anymore. It's completely erased yeah, from well, history. So they don't know that there's other things out there. They've created such a thing mm -hmm. that no one knows that you should care about this. No one knows that you should care about Google image search or what things are like. They just know you can't get that information. Therefore, there's... Only the deeply, deeply curious people who go, what is beyond that great firewall, are the ones who do it. And obviously, that's a, such a small percentage. Right. Yeah, and I, so my main focus in, listen, in you know, learning was actually from a bunch of 20-year-olds. You know, my students is what, who I talked to and I, what I asked about. I did talk to other teachers and stuff, and so I, but they were tech Did you have a people. handler, a Chinese person that stuck It was a student. You? Okay. Uh, he was actually an interesting not, guy. He was not a student, probably. He uh, he was actually uh, into hacking and stuff, and yeah, uh, he did a lot of SDR stuff, uh -huh. uh, uh, software defined radio. Um, so that was it was really interesting sitting talk to him, but um, mm. 
other than that, it's so what was really interesting is he he was bringing up subjects that I knew was um was uh forbidden forbidden yeah or not you know what they're not supposed to to talk to it so then i thought well is this is he really a chinese agent or a government agent trying to get me to to talk or do something and so i i just stayed away from all those subjects i said oh that's interesting he asked oh do you know how to do this or this i'm like you know i i looked at it a long time ago and i never really did anything with it or you know stuff like that and so. They they do that. They don't have any type of separation of uh, state versus business and things like that. It's high, highly integrated. I, I have clients, mm-hmm. um, one of them across the street, that does a lot of business. He's got a China manufacturing place. So we've had some long discussions about how strange it is there and how he said that very likely he was someone asking that because that's something that he realizes happens a lot there. They have more questions than they should because he has to have a government partner in order to have his business there. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And he goes... They ask a lot more questions than need than the terms need to be because they already know they're always looking for a way that they can duplicate the factory. I think we actually talked about it here one time in the show. There's a crane factory that makes part of their crane equipment in China, and they mm. purposely gave them some of the bad info, and they produced a competing crane that doesn't work right. And it's because oh. they gave them what they thought. Oh, we just need copies of your design. Oh, no problem. You can have copies of it. Wink, wink. They just gave them, they were falsifying it. Mm. This is actually related to, do you remember the bad capacitor runs we had years ago? These oh, yeah. blow up on motherboards. Did you know that was because of a leaked bad formula? Because they thought there was an espionage and then. Um, no. They hmm. leaked, they did. They were, they thought someone was stealing data. So they gave them a slightly off formula and we found out all the companies using it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Dell ended up using the cheaper ones. Uh-huh. They remember the cheapest that. bidder, and the cheapest bidder was stealing the secrets from another company, but they were giving them bad secrets. It was yeah. a whole Jeez. espionage operation. Wow. That's what I heard. There was a great write-up on it a while ago. I read it, and I'm like, wow. So mm-hmm. that stuff goes on a lot. Oh, yeah, not to digress, but uh, you take a look at some of their fighter uh, planes, um, and they look remarkably <clears throat> like ours. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, because they've pilfered. They, uh, my other client that went out of business, one of the citing reasons was their adventures in China. Um, mm-hmm. They had they had no idea any of that went on. They opened in the uh, late 90s, early 2000s in China to try to make cheaper automotive parts. Um, they, oh, those cheaper automotive parts are coming over here, but they're not made by them anymore. Their factory mm-hmm. closed, and mm-hmm. a magical competing factory makes exactly the same part. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. It's a, uh, it's a very we, different world over yeah, there. Yeah, very much so. You know, going back one thing, uh, you asked what the favorite food was. Now I think about it is uh, barbecue. They have their like their term for barbecue is not barbecue sauce. It's dry rub barbecue, yeah. and it's all um, like pulled, on on a pulled stick. pork or something. Yeah. No, not pulled pork. It's all really thinly sliced meat yeah. on a stick or on yeah. a, a kebab so, kind mm-hmm. of style, mm-hmm. but really thinly sliced. And so, like what you would think of one serving of pork would be like ten sticks of uh, of barbecue. Uh, so then what you do is what, I, I met some uh, some English teachers. And so we all went down to Barbecue Street. And uh, so we ordered like 10 sticks of this, 10 sticks of that. And uh, so we all got a little bit of, you know, there's some beef, there's some pork, some lamb, some no this stomach. and that. Uh, no, we avoided the stomach. Dog. <laughs> uh, well, I, I asked him about that, about if, we, if there's dog or something. They're like, oh, probably not at this one. But if you go further over, there might be. I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm like, I'm sticking with you guys. Yeah. Yeah. They, they know. <clears throat> you know, it's uh, Airway barbecue is the same way. It's never sweet, 
And as I've learned, it goes sugar, sugar is for dessert. That's what they tell me. They don't like any sweet barbecue sauces, but their barbecue is so good. It's always a good dry rub and mm-hmm. it's kebab on a stick. And now I'm hungry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was good stuff. Awesome. Well, we'll, we'll leave links to the Streisand Project. And if you uh, didn't follow it, go back a couple episodes to that one where we discuss all of that fun stuff. Yeah. All right. Get it set up. Okay. Uh, so you have been listening to the Sunday Morning Linux Review. This is episode 281. Stroyce and VPN Part 2. Yeah, and this is Tony Bemis. Mary Tomich. Joel Parada. And Tom Lawrence. See you next time. You've been listening to the Sunday Morning Linux Review. If you would like more information about this or other shows, go to smlr.us. Feel free to send comments to show at smlr.us or give us a call at 734-258-7009. I'm John Miller. If you don't like it, you can bite my 8-bit metal ass. That's bite with a Y. <laughs>